365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Purple Psychology. I'm Marie O'Riordan. And thank you. Because of you, this podcast has reached number one on several podcast charts and is now being listened to in 19 countries on five continents. And we have questions that came in from Europe and the United States this week, and they related to the word purple. So Dr. Nisha O'Reilly joins me. You're welcome, Nisha. Hello, thank you. The questions were in Europe and America. So there's purplelearning.ie, your website. There's Purple Success, that was written about in the media. And there's now Purple Psychology. So what's the significance of purple is the question. Okay, so when I set up my projects, um, when I interviewed people, I was looking for three elements and I based those on the three primary colors, uh, red, blue, and yellow. So I was looking at personality, potential, and aptitudes. And what I was trying to worry about creating in people were the three secondary colours, which were orange, green and purple. So orange being confidence. So my homework club project was orange in colour. So it was all about creating confidence in students. The confidence club is green because the environment changed and I was conscious of working within people's home environment. And that also went into the workplace environment as well. And purple was the overall methods. And the reason for that is that if you put red and blue together, you get purple. So if you put people's personalities together and their potential you get purple and what I always say to people is that you could have a fantastic personality you could have brilliant aptitudes you could be reasonably confident but if you can't express yourself it doesn't matter that you have all of those things so for me the most important element in all of our projects is expression which is the color purple thank you for a concise explanation and color is very important Yes, as you know, colour is massive to me. I have a huge selection of coloured markers. I have a massive box of the most colours that you can possibly have in a marker set. All of the methods that I develop, I think, in colour. Um, I plan everything out in colour. Um, it's, it's a huge part of how I think. Is this because you're very visual? It's part of it, but I, I think it was uh, it was some of my own coping strategies. Even as a student, I had a whole color-coded system in order to help me to remember things. Um, so part of it is that, but, but I actually do think in color. And was I drawn to a podcast because I'm profoundly auditory? I expect so, yes. You never shut up. This is true. Moving on with episode six, let's delve into productivity in the workplace. Big buzzword at the moment. Yes, it's funny, like, you know, I suppose you you read a huge amount, so we're very conscious of the trends that are out there. Um, and it's something that I'd only been thinking about this week. One of the fascinating parts for me is that this episode is going to be a little bit more about our older clients. I'm not really going to go any younger than master students, because we've done a lot on younger people recently. So for our older clients, what's 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 really brilliant is that they actually manage to achieve far more in shorter times, but they also work for quite intense periods. And there, there, is a, there is growing pains with all of the companies that we work with in the sense that, you know, you, get, you do still get out what you invest. So it's not that like we waltz in and tell people, oh, it's all right, you know, take your foot off the pedal. People quite often after they work with us are really focused and work very, very hard to not only to grow their company, but to go back from very difficult places. 
um, as, as you, will, you will know. We've walked into companies that are on the verge of closure so many times here and abroad. It's amazing, the turnarounds. You're not only trying to grow your business, you're also playing catch-up on quite a few years in some cases. But what's interesting is that we insist on a life-work balance. And so they have a better standard of life overall. We have had their, their partners and their wives come in and thank us for having their husband back in every sense, you know, where the person that they married has come back because all the worry and the strain is gone. Um, and they're, they're having a better balance to their lives. But they're also actually working harder. Um, and being incredibly focused and targeted and demanding on themselves. And they do set monthly milestones to achieve, and very high milestones, which they overachieve. Work-life balance being a huge trend again. Yes, but I said I wasn't going to mention younger people, but actually I am. One of the things that I started a massive debate on, I think it was four years ago now, was the fact that homework should be abolished. Because I really felt that we were teaching children from very young ages to always take their work home. And we insist on people not doing that. And I don't understand why the work can't be done in school. And I don't expect people to play catch up. And if you're doing that as an employee, you're doing a really bad job. I was once told by a brilliant CEO, one of the best bosses that I ever had in my media career, that if anyone in the organisation was taking work home, they shouldn't be there. Yes, if it's been set up well, it, it shouldn't happen. And, and this is one of the, the really important lessons to learn how to compartmentalise your life, but also how to work very effectively and how to work for you. So, for instance, what I always say to master's students and to dissertation students, your PhD is not written sitting in front of a computer. You need to have um, a very clear understanding of what you're trying to do. You need to have a plan. You need to have goals. You need to have a time frame to do it in. You need results to talk about. You need to know what you're talking about. You need to know talk about how you did it. Um, and you need to go away and think about all of that. And that might be running around the sports pitch that you do it or going for a walk or um, sitting down and ma mapping out an entire vision board of what your thesis is going to look like. But you are not going to sit down at a computer and type out your thesis. So what's the creativity of invention for a doctorate? Because you have to do something that's never been done before in the history of your area. The key is that you don't sit down and, and sit down at a computer and think with a blank page that I'm going to start writing today and I'm going to write X amounts of a couple of hundred words or a couple of thousand words and I'm going to do that every day. The key is that before you sat down at that computer you already have to know what those 200 words are and what they look like. And you need to have done that in a way that best suits you. And you need to have planned it out and understood it and know exactly what you're, what you're doing and what you're describing. You, you can't sit down at a computer and tap that out. And, you know, the only people who potentially can do that are novelists. But that's a skill that they develop. And they also will have plotted out their story and developed their characters. And actually, writing a novel is very mathematical in the background. And there's a whole mathematical plot um, and into introducing characters and, you know, killing them off or travelling through their lives or whatever. So there is a mathematical fit to writing a novel too. So if that's planned out, you know, just sit down at a computer and write a novel. Mm -hmm. And it's great that some of your team have written novels. That's part of their expertise. And uh, you work with authors as well. Yes, we, we have worked with, with authors. And, um, and, and one of the, it is like it can be very daunting because... Um, several people that we've worked with wouldn't consider themselves to have brilliant literacy skills, but that doesn't mean you can't write a novel if you've worked out your way to do it. That brings me to ownership of your work then. Yes, you know, I, I keep saying this when we work with people, right? For, for most therapy or learning or rehabilitation or whatever it is, when someone else has a plan that they want you to fit into, 
right? And, and we do have a plan for our clients. So what's different? What's different is, is that it becomes their plan. And I, the way the analogy that I describe this to people is that it's like writing a dissertation. So if you have 16 weeks to write a dissertation, in the start, it's always your supervisor's dissertation, it's their project, it's their idea. Um, you go along and you very timidly ask them questions and you feel hugely intimidated and you feel like the stupidest person in the room. And then this magic thing happens about week 10 when you're writing a dissertation of 16 weeks where you walk in and you suddenly are an authority on your subject and you know more than your supervisor and it has become your project. Well, that's what we're always trying to do when we work with clients. The plan or their productivity way or their new project or their milestone or their goal. It's theirs. They feel like they own it. They feel like they've created it. They feel like it's theirs. They feel like they can follow it. It's not something that I've superimposed and chucked at you and go, right, follow that. But we've even been told by companies that they have never seen people before who actually sign over legally ownership of everything we do to them. Well, yes, it's, it's very important. And that's a process that takes part at the start of the day. So everything that we do create with people, it is theirs. Um, and that's, that's hugely important. And, and the reason why this is really important is because then when you make changes, you make them forever. They're sustainable changes. So it's been described to me that, you know, that I can walk into a company and I flick a switch. And it isn't that that person is motivated or enthusiastic for a couple of days or even for a week or for a month. We'll go back to three, two years, three years, four years, and the switch is still down and they're still functioning at their best form. Right across the internet and the media, you'll see all these tips and tricks and productivity and work-life balance. But what you're saying is what you're doing, it's personalised to the individual's personality. Yes, it's what they need and what they have to have. And, th and that's the whole point of it. There's no point having generic productivity tips. That doesn't work for anybody. Do you do anything generic? No. <laughs> I can't think of anything. So what are the implications when you have a large company and a huge amount of clients, when it comes to not being generic and individualized and personality? Well, I think one of the important things that we do for companies is that it's not just the personality of the employees and then you have the personality of people that they're working with and they're all fitting into the environment and ticking and their switches are all down and they're all really happy. But also, you have to understand the personalities of the people that they're selling to and who they're trying to engage with and how they engage with those people and how they get a bounce back. Like, we, we write to amazing people all the time and they always write back to us. Well, we're certainly not ignored. No, we're not. We, 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 we always get people to engage with us and we always get the people that our clients want to engage with to engage with them and in a positive way. And to finish with some of the personality theory aspect of your work and the personalities you work with. Yes, yeah, so I've been having a think over the last while about, you know, all the different multitudes of clients that we've worked with and some of the ones that have really stood out to me. So, you know, there's one group of people and it's almost like a massive eureka moment when we explain to them who they are and because they've met people with bits of them that they identify with, but they've never met anybody completely like them. And it is like, it's literally like Eureka. There's a whole, a whole group of people and it's like as if they feel as if they weren't born with the instruction manual for life. They kind of feel like it was left out of the box and that they've never understood themselves. And what's worse is they feel like everyone else has an instruction manual. I wish we did. I know, but, but they really feel like everyone else knows what they're doing. And then, you know, one of the questions that came up recently f for me was, you know, do all people feel unsupported? And I think the answer is possibly yes, because I think there's a group of personalities who 
you know, for better or worse, they're quite selfish and they don't tend to support other people and the world tends to revolve around them and they don't really notice what's happening for other people. And then there's a group of people who always give out far more than they get back. Like, there's quite a lot of personalities who do that, who, who are actually quite attentive to other people. And I think they always feel a little bit let down that other people don't notice when they need help because they always notice when everybody else. And that can even be simple things, like they'll always be the people who remember your birthday and nobody remembers theirs. And I remember going to a show a few years ago where they asked a bunch of actors every day, you know, what, what happened for you today? What did you learn today? I went to that show. That yeah. was amazing. But the one universal theme that came out of it was that everybody felt unsupported. They all did. And that's quite shocking. It's quite shocking in mankind that we all feel unsupported. That is episode six of Purple Psychology. I'm Marie O'Riordan. Thank you so much for joining us. And Nisha, have a great time out there working with people until episode seven comes around. I will. <laughs> 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.